Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. Seven minutes past the hour at News Talk WSV. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. Welcome, friends. I'm glad you're here. If you have a question about anything, you can be doing now that the rains have come, although you cannot still water on any day other than your designated odd even watering days. But if you have a question about planting, because we certainly can plant, because there's no regulation at all on watering trees and shrubs and lawns and things like that for 30 days after planting, no law against that at all. So if you want to plant something, if you have a question about planting or pruning or fertilizing or weed control or anything else, the number is easy to remember, 404-872-0750. Or you can Twitter to me at AskWalters, hashtag AskWalter using Twitter. We go to the phones finally with Wayne, my patient friend, and let's talk about Wayne's termites. Hey, Wayne, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What you got? Uh, Just a general question about termites. Uh, I, I keep a rain gauge, and last year I got around 70 inches of rain this year i only had around 30 inches of rain yeah and uh most of the old timers have said in the past it seems like everybody's having a problem with termites and they always tell me well it's because we're not having a hard enough or harsh enough winter to run them deeper in the ground Uh i was just wondering how does the drought affect the termites i know they need dampness and darkness to survive does it run them any deeper when we have a drought? I'm not an entomologist, but my bet is yes, because you're exactly right, Wayne. That's what termites, subterranean termites, have to have dampness. They have to have the water source that they take up with them through those little mud tubes up the log and hopefully not the two-by-fours of your house. But, <laughs> you know, they, they go through those mud tubes, which keep them moist. And so if they don't have moisture in the ground, they can't survive. They can't move around like they want to. So that said, did the drought do anything to them? It probably did drive them a little bit lower. Did it control the number of termite colonies? They might get smaller, but I doubt it killed any of them. I doubt it hurt any fire ant colonies, for that matter. Although the fire ants, they were not feeding as much as they probably wanted to when it was dry because there's not much to eat when it's dry. Right. So this is, you know, it's, it's good, Wayne, I think, always to be thinking, how does the environment do anything beyond myself. Okay, I'm hot and I'm dry, but what about the insects? What about the birds? What about the the uh, other uh, plants in the landscape? What's this environmental condition now going to do to them in the next one month, six months, year, two years? And that's something that I'm always thinking about, and you show that you're thinking about it too. But I don't know specifically if it's going to do much to the termites, other than I guess it probably has driven them a little bit lower and slowed them down at least a little bit. Yeah, I just realized that last year, because it was so so wet, it seemed like every other week I was hearing somebody say they had termites. And this whole summer, I haven't heard one person say they've had a problem with termites. Yeah, yeah, could be. I mean, that'd be the kind of thing you could call a termite control company and ask them how their business has run during the fall. The the termites, you know, they, I want to say bloom, that's not the right word, they hatch, they have a flight. The, The fertile termites come out of logs and things in the 
in the uh, woods during the spring, sometimes when it's warm, first week of May seems like is when I see them sometimes. You see this big, have you ever seen that, Wayne, the cloud of termites coming out of a stump or something in the woods? Oh, yeah, I'm 62 years yeah, old. I've seen that many a time. Yeah, 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 yeah. You think, <laughs> wow, there's hundreds, thousands of fertile termites going out here, going to chew up the houses in the neighborhood. But usually, of course, they're not. They're chewing up the limbs and debris and things like that as nature intended for them. But it is pretty impressive to see just hundreds, hundreds of them coming through one or two holes in the top of a rotten stump and all of them headed out to mate and then drop down and hopefully make a little termite mound or hopefully for them make a termite mound and go about their business. So yeah, I actually saw birds feeding on a swarm of yeah. termites one time and yeah. that was that was a beautiful sight. <laughs> it was indeed. Like the time I saw a, a bald-faced hornet feeding on a yellow jacket nest. He was sitting right by the yellow jacket nest and grabbed yellow jackets as they came out and eat one and throw them down and eat another one. That was a beautiful thing to see. That's true. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Wayne. Okay, man. You have a good one. Great question. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Wayne's place. Chris is in Canton, Georgia. Here's Chris on the air. Hey, Chris. Hey, Walter. Uh, quick question. Does it do any uh, good to fertilize fruit trees this time of year or just wait till spring? Wait till spring. You know, we have some warm days. I'm thinking, well, maybe it still could be, uh, be beneficial. But and uh, if they don't have leaves, there's little that a tree can do to absorb nitrogen or phosphorus or anything else in the world. So without leaves to drive the process of sucking things out of the roots and storage and all the little hormonal things that leaves do and buds do to guide what's going on, there's not much benefit to it. Now, earlier, back in mm, September probably, when the leaves were still on the trees, yeah, you could have done some good then by fertilizing. But uh, now when the leaves are almost completely gone, they're bare, there's no benefit to doing it. Well, I'll stop fertilizing my my yard in September. I guess the rule of thumb just do everything at the same time then. Yeah, September is the time when things are just starting to go into dormancy. And when they are, both weeds, lawn grasses, and fruit trees, thinking about storing energy for their revival next spring. And so that is the time to fertilize, not late in the wintertime or early in the wintertime either. Appreciate it. All right, Chris. Thanks for calling. You know, curiosity questions like that, if you have a curiosity question, just wondering if this is a good idea or why this might be the right time or not the right time to do something, you can call me and ask me. I will try my best to have a sensible, science-based, experience-tempered answer for you at 404-872-0750. Kathy dialed those numbers just a couple of minutes ago, and Kathy's on the air right now. Hey, Kathy. Hey, Walter. Hey, how can I help, Kathy? Um, several years ago, I called in uh, about what kind of tree to get, and you suggested a Kusa dogwood. Yeah. So I got one, and it's been great. Awesome. It even has been blooming two times a year. Wow, good for you. And But something weird that it does is it has these little shoots that come up by the trunk, yeah. kind of like sometimes a crepe myrtle will do that. Yep. And I've cut them off before, and last week I went and cut more off and I noticed that the bark at the bottom of the tree is cracked like it's gonna come off or it looks kind of like sort of like pine tree bark a little bit and it's cracking and just looking like it's gonna come off and I'm wondering did I kill the tree and it's not anywhere where it's gonna get hit with a lawnmower the only thing I've ever done is cut those shoots off at the bottom and I don't even know why it has those on there you know, I don't either, other than I sometimes cause I sometimes suspect that the coosas have been grafted and some of the shoots might be the 
understock that's, that's shooting up, like happens with uh, roses sometimes. You know, the understock will start growing and shoot up these odd-looking sprouts that come up to the top. I should go across the street and look at my neighbor's Coosa dogwood because I've noticed the same thing, Kathy, that his have little sprouts right next to the base at the bottom of the tree. And I guess I meant to tell Gus to cut them off recently, but I never got around to telling him to do that. Maybe I should go over there and do it for him and do a little more examination. Coosas do get the rough bark, though. The It can be pretty scaly, pine tree-like is what you described it. Uh, okay. So that's first glance, first glimpse of the problem. I don't think it is the problem. It's just the nature of the beast for Coosa dogwoods. Or if it's a grafted plant, also it's a weird things go around the graft union so it wouldn't if the tree looks healthy i would say it is healthy it's just doing what a kusa does okay well i guess i'll wait till spring because i can't tell if it's okay or not now because it doesn't have any more leaves yeah right but as far as the sprouts go i don't think there's going to be any damage at all by cutting them off now if you care to do that just go out there with clippers and try to get right close to the bark and clip them off well i i hope it's okay and i'll just let it keep being weird and Keep <laughs> That's the right answer, Kathy. Just keep letting it be weird. That's what we want to do with our trees. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much. The more weirdness, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Chuck is in Ellenwood and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Chuck, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm great. And I think more weirdness in our gardens is really what the recipe <laughs> calls for today, Chuck. Oh, man, how can I help? A um, couple of weeks ago, I cleaned out my uh, garden beds, uh, and for the first time in 20 years in, in, in this garden, I, I pulled up a tomato, and it had the obvious signs of gigantic root, not nematode. Oh, man, yeah. Um, for listeners I, who I want to know what uh, Chuck's talking about, if the roots on a plant are very knotted, gnarled, swollen, knobby, what else would you say, Chuck? That's about what it looks like, right? Nasty looking. Nasty looking. All right. So if they look like that, that's an indication of these tiny microscopic worms called nematodes, which can attack plant roots, and it's not a good thing. So go ahead, Chuck. So um, this, I, I rotate the beds that I grow tomatoes and, and other uh, peppers and stuff in. So this is the first time it's happened. It used to be that you could treat the soil with, what, methyl bromide or something like yeah, that. Nimagon, yeah. Nimagon, yeah. Long, to. long... Uh, disabused, so you can't get that anymore. What can I do to prevent them next year, or is there anything? Am I stuck with them? Rotating is the very best thing to do. If you can plant corn or some plant that does not host uh, tomato nematodes, then that is the best thing to do, because with nothing to feed on, then the nematode population goes down. So rotation, that's one of the reasons that gardeners worry about not rotating their plants and they're not able to sometimes because you can have a buildup of pests like nematodes in the soil if you don't rotate. So if you can, uh, rotate it around. Use different vegetables in that spot for a year or two and then put the tomatoes back in place. Uh, if I can just I can just leave that bed fallow for the year too, would that help? You can do that if you want to. In fact, if you leave it fallow, one of the little bits of folk knowledge is that you can plant it solid with marigolds. The particular kind of marigold is an African marigold. I, you'll have to look it up for me, Chuck. But they're planting it solid with marigolds during the summertime can help control nematodes because they go into the roots of the marigold and when you pull them up at the end of the fall, they've been encapsulated and trapped in the roots of the plant and you throw them all away and then you've rid the garden of most of the nematodes that are there. But look that up for me for the particular kind of, nemat- uh, particular kind of uh, marigold that controls nematodes, but you could indeed leave it fallow too. Chuck, i got to go, but thanks. That was a great question. At 719, we'll be back after this. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It was a great thing on Wednesday, Thursday a little bit to get some rains. The ground got softened and we got even more coming tomorrow. Rain coming tomorrow, 90% chance of rain tomorrow. Highs in the day today in the mid to high 50s perhaps and overnight lows down in the 40s. Right now it's 41.1 degrees outside. But you get your full weekend forecast in just 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Michael is out in Winder. Michael joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Michael, good morning. Hey. What's up, Michael? Uh, I had a guy come out and look at a a small area on the side of the house for some sod, because the only thing I can grow right now is clover. Yeah. Um, And he recommended zoysia. So besides um, just tilling it up and or spraying some Roundup to kill the clover and just tilling it up, and then is there any other kind of soil prep that I need to do? When does he want to lay the zoysia? Well, that's what I was going to ask. I'm going to lay it myself. Uh, uh, when would be the best time? May. May? Not now. Not now, brother. What will happen is zoysia now. The soil temperatures now are in the very low 50s, I think, Michael, and they're not going to go any higher. They're not going to flip back up again into the mid-50s. And you need at least 55 degrees of soil temperature for zoysia roots to grow readily at all. And if they don't grow... Then the zoysia side just sits on top of the ground like a carpet and gets dried out one or two times during the wintertime, and then it's all gone. It's dead, period. Bye, you know, bye-bye going away. So the best time to lay zoysia side is when the soil is warmed up again, 1st of May, sometime like that, when the soil is warm enough for the roots to spread, go down, doop, they're in, they're rooted, and now Michael's got his grass Filling up the soil and making it soft, is there anything else that I need to do? Why not put some ryegrass out there temporarily? If you need something green to hold the ground to keep erosion from happening, ryegrass will sprout right now just fine. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you so very much, sir. Next, middle of next April, middle of April, spray the ryegrass with Roundup and then till that in a little bit so it softens the ground, break it smooth, lay the sod first week of May, call me up in June, tell me how pretty it is. All righty. Well, thank you again. All right, Michael. We'll see you, man. You got to pay attention to the soil temperatures. One of the things that not a lot of people pay attention to, I pay attention once every week or maybe every two weeks. I'll go to a website called georgiaweather.net. Georgiaweather.net. It is a fabulously helpful resource for finding out what is the soil temperature. Now, for farmers who have many, many other things, they need how many hours of sunlight are they getting for their soybeans. They have other things that farmers need to know. But for me, little old me, they've got weather stations, 50 or 100 weather stations scattered around Georgia. And they tell you the soil temperature at 2 inches, 4 inches, 8 inches. And I usually look at 2 inches. And if the 2-inch soil temperature is above 55, I know things will grow. If it gets a little bit higher than that, I know certain other things do best at higher soil temperatures, but georgiaweather.net, one of those great things that the University of Georgia puts out for farmers, but it sure is helpful for 
lawn owners and landscape owners like us to find out what the soil temperature is because it determines when is the right time, best time to do certain things. In the next half hour, we're going to talk to Fred about cutting back his peach tree, Nathan about pruning a crepe myrtle, Alex on whether to put a fungicide on his zoysia now, Sally about spreading mulch on top of leaves, Diane about centipede is stress, 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 turning red or purple, maybe a couple of Twitter questions, hashtag AskWalter. We'll be back after news. And festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 735, 41 degrees outside, rain coming this evening, rain coming tomorrow. What a great, wonderful thing that is. By the way, if you have not heard yet, I'm going to England next year, June the 2nd through the 11th or 12th, I think it is, next year. For details on that, you can go to my website. We're already halfway full, so if you want to make some thoughts and decisions about what you want to do in the spring, go to see some private gardens and public gardens in London and then go into the Cotswolds and see some of the other beautiful places that London and England have to offer, then think about that. Next summer, next June, details at WalterReeves.com. At 7.35, we got Fred in Cartersville first in line. Hey, Fred, morning. Good morning. How can I help? Well, I've got a peach tree that mysteriously somehow appeared in my yard. It's about four years old. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to prune it. It's it's produced, you know, quite a few peaches, but awesome. this past year it really didn't produce that much. Yeah. And I just need to know how to prune it, where to prune it, and what can I do to fertilize it and treat it. How tall is it right now, Fred? I would say it's probably 12 feet tall. Ooh, that's a big one. All right. Yeah, it's huge. Let me remind you, I've said this many times, I'll say it once again, if you don't spray it, your production of peaches is going to decline. That's just okay. the nature of the beast, that peaches accumulate all sorts of insects and diseases as they get older. And four, five, six, seven, eight years, you can expect around 10 years of age that you'll get hardly any peaches at all if you don't spray. But I want to get to that in a minute. So as far as pruning goes, you're a little late to start the pruning process, but what you try to do is to open up the center of the tree. And not seeing it right in front of me, Fred, this is your judgment of what to do with it. You certainly don't want anything above about eight feet because you can't pick any peaches when they're above eight feet high. Right. So, you know, cut out, cut a little bit lower than eight feet just to give it some uh, room in the middle. And there'll be, of course, next spring, there'll be lots of little sprouts that'll come up from that place where you cut and remove, I think, most of those. Again, trying to keep an open center in the tree. You get better sunshine penetration, better production of peaches if you do that. That's something okay. to do in the wintertime. You can do it anytime between now and... February of next year, so you got a long time to think about pruning it. Um, number two, fertilizing. Not much done now, but in the spring, March is about the right time to fertilize peaches, and I'm going to refer a lot of this to you to go to my website because I just don't have time to go through all the how to measure and how to know and how many pounds of this, that, and the other to put on. You can do a soil test, and I've, you've heard me talk about soil tests earlier this morning. There's some details on my website as well about soil testing. And as far as the spraying, which you do need to do, as I've emphasized before, that is what starts the minute you see flowers on the tree in March. 
So okay. have your sprayer, have your stuff ready to go. Spray it then because that prevents one of the major diseases that builds up on peach trees called brown rot. Brown rot is where you see the beautiful peaches all over the tree in May. You think, man, we're going to have peach jam. We're going to have peach ice cream. This is awesome. And then by June, they all get brown rotten stuff and they shrivel up and they fall off the tree. You say, what happened? And it's all because of brown rot, which started when it blooms. And that's why you start spraying when it blooms. But, okay, what, yeah. what, what's the best to spray it with? I, don't, I have no clue. What yeah, do I spray various, it with? There are various home orchard sprays, but I'll give you the first one. It's called Captan, C-A-P-T-A-N. Just remember, if you don't keep your cap on your head, you'll get a tan. Okay. <laughs> you Captain. can remember okay. that. But I'm going to, again, because of the scheduling and what you spray when is more complicated than I have time to go over right now, I'm going to say go to my website, WalterReeves.com, Fred. Just type the word peach. That's all you have to do. Type the word peach into the search line. It'll give you all the articles I've written about pruning, fertilizing, spraying, organic production, harvesting, everything you need to know about peaches. But that's what you need to do as your guide. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Good luck with it, Fred. Have a lot of peaches on me. Thanks for calling. we got 739, and that's Sally's turn. Sally's up in Roswell in Fulton County. Hey, Sally. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Hi. I'm so happy to talk to you, Walter. How can I help? I just had some trees cut down and now have a huge pile of mulch. And I've got a border bed in my front yard that is kind of flat. Mm-hmm. And I thought about putting the mulch down just for volume. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there's a bunch of magnolia leaves under there that are hard to get out. And first, I didn't know if I could layer it on top of the magnolia leaves. And secondly, once I've got the volume that I want, can I put pine straw over it just for aesthetics? You know, some of this is judgment, I think, Sally, but I don't see anything wrong with doing what you're doing. You're sort of having a little lasagna layer there. You have the magnolia right. leaves, you have the leaves, you have the mulch, you have the pine straw on top of that. As long as you're not covering up perennials, as long as you're not making a layer that's five inches thick and tends to get soggy and met and wet and gooey during the wintertime. We don't want that either. But if your judgment says it's loose enough that the water can get through the, the pile, that the leaves, the magnolia leaves in particular, that they will decompose rapidly enough so they don't hold water and get slimy underneath everything else, I think you're fine to do what you're talking about, to layer it up and use what layers and materials you have to mulch the plants. Okay. Well, it seems like magnolia leaves never degrade. Yeah, they are, they <laughs> they are hard and tough. That is true. If, if there was any warning, I would say it would be about the magnolia leaves. If there's any way to get them out or minimize the number of magnolia leaves in the layer of mulch, that would be my preference. Okay. All right. Good deal. All Thank right. you very much. Good, lid. Good talking to you, Sally. Thanks you for calling. You too. Have a great day. We've got Nathan in Covington in Newton County, and Nathan's on the air. Hey, Nathan, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm all right. What's up? I wanted to know how do I prune my uh, crepe myrtle tree in order to give it the uh, fountain type of a oh, shape. Nice. Or is it a particular brand uh, kind that I would need to purchase? No. Well, I guess there's some uh, crepe myrtles, Nathan, that are more bushy, shrubby. You know, there's even varieties now that are lower than six feet tall and you have a small fountain there, I guess, but oh yeah. But if you want a large fountain, one eight to twelve feet tall, then many of the crepe myrtles you see at nurseries are going to be in the eight to twelve foot tall range when they're mature. And the pruning is pretty simple. I mean, this literally is your eyeball. You go around the tree, maybe 
First time around, if you've never pruned a crepe myrtle much before, take a piece of ribbon or two or three pieces of cloth and wrap it around the base of a limb that you want to take out and then walk around the tree and say, okay, take this one out here and take that one out there and take this one over here. That'll give you this very upright, sort of spreading, fountain-like appearance. Um, Then get your saw out, get your pruners out, lop them off, and then hopefully next year they'll follow that form that you gave it during the wintertime. Yeah. One of the problems I'm having, it, it, they grow, they shoot straight up, yeah. straight limbs, in the, and uh, that's what I was trying to prevent. Then what you can do is shorten some of those limbs. Some of them can be shortened at an area where you want the fountain to spread out, let's say. Suppose you want a fountain-like look around seven or eight feet tall. At about six feet is where you make your cut because you need about a foot of growth before the flower buds start start setting and, and, and blooming. And okay. so, again, you use your eyeball, look out there, say, if I cut this one here, then I got that vertical limb there. If I cut it about six feet and cut this other at five feet, I'll have a foot of growth, and then the flowering will start next summer. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Nothing to it. Have fun with it, Nathan. Crepe myrtles are very, very responsive to pruning. You can do just about anything to them. You won't kill them. If whatever you do this year doesn't turn out like you like, then think, well, I'll do it differently next year. Put a note in your calendar and say, do it this way next year and do it the other way. and Maybe we'll get success that way. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Nice talking to you, Nathan. Thanks for calling. It's 743. Whose turn is it next? Diane. It's down in Winder. I should say up in Winder. Hey, Diane. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Walter. Um, I have centipede grass that is uh, experiencing apparently distress. I had taken <laughs> a sample down to the uh, co-op office in uh, Athens, yeah. and he uh, first said that you need soil testing. And when he looked at it, he said, I just think it's stress from the heat. Yeah. And I'd never seen it look like this. It has a sort of reddish-purple look, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> he said water. So I guess I had neglected it, but I'd never seen the grass do anything like this, even mm-hmm. in drought. So I did water it very thoroughly for a couple of weeks, and then we finally got some rain. My question is, uh, going forward, uh, is is that what you would say that was? I looked online and saw some pictures that seemed that other people had had that experience. Yeah. And how is this going to impact my grass, like, in the spring? Purple is a sign of stress on centipede. So the person who looked at your grass and said stress, I would agree with them. Purple is just whatever I associate a drought stress, water stress, sometimes by having too much water on it. Nutrient stress, where it doesn't get exactly the right amount of nitrogen, and so it turns purple maybe because there's not enough lime in the soil, so you get a whole series of stressors, all of which turn up in centipede looks purple right now. <laughs> so right. I don't disagree with the advice to do a soil test. I think that it's important to know what the pH particularly of the soil is and how much phosphorus is in the soil particularly. And you can't do that by looking at it. You have to have it tested by a laboratory, and you can go to georgiasoiltest.com and Get the details on that, or you can take uh, samples down to the extension office and let them send it off and have it tested, too. The lab's right there in Athens, so it shouldn't take more right. than Right. Well, I to. took it down there, and when he looked at it, he said, oh, I think this is just from stress from the drought. And he said, it's up to you if you want a soil test. So you think I should just go ahead and get a soil test? I do, then? indeed. I think that makes okay. it a real smart first step. Sure do. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I appreciate it. All right, Thank Diane. you. Thanks so much Bye-bye. for calling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Ashley Frasca, do we have a Twitter question? I think we do. 
We do. I just lost it on the screen, but I believe it was from Kathy. Yeah. And can she plant daffodils now? Is it too late? Ooh, Kathy, 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 this afternoon now that the soil is softer, Walter will be out planting, not daffodils, but I'm going to be planting some um, snowdrop bulbs and some uh, yellow-flowered, I call them yellow-flowered onion, but yellow-flowered allium. Then I'll be planting this afternoon. No, it is not too late, Ashley Frasca, to plant daffodils if folks want to do that. If they have some that they just never got around to doing because they bought them in September, maybe, from the big box store or from Pike and just put them in the garage and thought, man, it's getting dry out there. I can't plant my daffodils now. That's right. You probably couldn't put your daffodils now because you didn't have a pickaxe to dig a hole in the ground. But there's nothing wrong with uh, planting daffodils now. What will happen as we get later and later in the season, they will bloom later and later in the spring. So we'll get the same call in January. Hey, I got found some daffodils in my garage. Is it okay to plant them right now? And the answer is yes, plant them. They're not going to bloom in your garage. But if you plant them in January outdoors, then the daffodils will be blooming around the latter part of April, I would guess, and all your neighbors will say, wow, how'd you get your daffodils to bloom this late? It was just complete ignorance, basically, <laughs> not getting them in the ground. So yeah, it's fine to plant daffodils, tulips, all the other bulbs right now. So Kathy has a Twitter account, and you yeah. and I do too, all right. and all she did was get on Twitter, type out that question, and she used the hashtag AskWalter so that I could see the question. Hashtag AskWalter. All you got to do on a Saturday morning, thanks for, thanks for calling Ashley, thanks for Twittering Ashley, thanks for Twittering to me, Kathy, as well. At 747, we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. have to put up with at this station Scott Maxim <laughs> is it better than the chickens or the dogs I'm not sure Scott Maxim has a whole menagerie he keeps in the studio to sing their happy holiday songs for us during, during the holidays it is time for a weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security I think I heard Kirk a minute ago lower his temperature reading for tomorrow rather than being in the low 50s he said high in the high 40s tomorrow rain coming of course 90% chance of rain tomorrow lows overnight in the uh, mid to low 40s right now it is 40.9 degrees outside chilly but still rain in the forecast your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb alex is indicator and joins us on lawn and garden hey alex good morning good good morning walter how are you doing I'm today fine. how can i help i was calling because uh i've got a newly planted soldier lawn in yeah. june and it's got a little brown batch and i was told to put Fungicide, and I'm wondering if it's too late in the season to do that. Man, it doesn't make any sense to now. If you have brown patch, all those fungi, they're as sensitive to cold weather as you and I, and so they all go to sleep. They become little bitty balls and uh, are not spreading and not doing anything, and fungicide doesn't do much to control them this time of year okay. anyway. So if you want to do something, are the patches big, small, spread out? What do you think, Alex? Well, one of it's unfortunately about 30% of the lawn. Oh, ooh. It's not going to hurt my feelings if you wanted to wait till as things are greening up next year. So zoysia greens up around the middle part of April. So around the okay. middle part of April, yes, go to Pike and get some Infuse, I-N-F-U-S-E, Infuse, and spread that out there. That will stop the fungus from spreading for sure and will prevent much damage to the rest of the lawn. 
assuming that the <clears throat> diagnosis of brown patch is correct. This is a fungal problem and not water standing in one spot or some other problem that is not fungal related. Assuming it's fungal related, yeah, I would spray some brown, some uh, fungicide around the middle of April next year. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Good luck with it, Alex. 404-872-0750. You know, we've got time. Jerry, if you'll go real quick, let's get Jerry in here. Hey, Jerry. Good morning. Hi, Walter. How are you? Hey, man. What's up? I've got some established peonies and some tulips and jonquils that are not blooming. Do I need to fertilize them? And if so, what do I put on them? Not peonies, but yes, jonquils and daffodils and things that will bloom in the spring. And I'll tell you why. Bulbs, the natural process of life is for them to bloom in the spring, of course. They'll have foliage until May sometime, and then it all turns yellow and fades away, of course. And they don't do much of any growing during the summertime. But in the fall, as soil temperatures lower and as a little bit of moisture comes to them, which is right now, then the roots start growing and those roots expand and that is when they start sending up foliage and that is a perfect time to fertilize bulbs, daffodils, jonquils, tulips, hyacinths, anything that's in the ground that is uh, going to bloom in the spring. Yeah, fertilize them. But the peonies, not until they start turning, have the leaves on them and what'll be about the first of April next year, you think? Sometime like that. So you fertilize a plant when it's in active growth mode. Bulbs are in active growth mode <clears throat> now. And the peonies wait till next spring. Wait till next spring. Uh, and what what fertilizer would I use on each? Go around to Pike and get um, uh, EB Stone. They've got a great bulb fertilizer, EB Stone bulb fertilizer. Use it on both both plants. All right. And in my uh, variegated hyacinth, what do I put on it for fertilizer? Triple ten work. Yeah. Why, if it's a hyacinth, why not the same bulb fertilizer you use with the rest of them? Not hyacinth, I'm sorry. The uh, monkey, monkey, not monkey grass, what do you call that? Yeah, Lirio, monkey grass. Liriope. Liriope, yeah. If you want to fertilize that, that is sort of growing throughout the year. I think the major time for it is like peony in the spring as new active growth begins, but it might take a little bit of fertilizer right now. I wouldn't, if you had a little extra fertilizer after you fertilize the daffodils and the bulbs and things like that, yeah, spread a little bit on the liriope and see if it works with that too. It's eight, excuse me, it's 7.57 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden right after news. Lawn and Garden.